I'm Steve Backshaw, and you're listening to the Aussie Wildlife Show. All right, guys, welcome to the Aussie Wildlife Show. Adrian here, and I'm here, of course, with Steve. G'day, guys. And we're very lucky today to have with us Emma Malik. Hello, Emma. Hello. And Emma is an animal trainer and comedian and has a show that she is traveling around the country with right now. I am. The show's called uh, If You Can't Train It, Eat It, uh, which is uh, not as gruesome as it sounds. I've had a few audience members worried that I'm just going to be like cutting up a steak on stage or something like that and eating it. It's all about animal stories. They're very pro-animal friendly. Uh, And I'm also touring as well with its sequel, which is called Sticking With It, which is a little bit of a stick insect pun because stick insects do feature in my show. And then because of demand, I now have a children's show (laughs) called Fee Fi Fo Fun which basically is like a pantomime, but with lots of animals in it. That's awesome. And I love any puns involving stick insects. My friend has one called Richard Stickson. I love that. Yeah. Look at me, look at me trying to be funny. Yeah. <laughs> so, Emma, you're... <laughs> 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 Over to the crickets. Um, so, you're a comedian. Um, Steve and I have often talked about uh, well, we, we talk a bit about environmental issues and conservation, and that can be boring and it can be depressing. And we thought, wouldn't it be great if we could have a comedian come on the show and maybe help us be funny? I mean, we, we think we're funny, but to actually help us be funny, because sometimes by making light of, you know, these kinds of subjects... And having a laugh, it's often a bit easier to access, isn't it, for people? Definitely. Humour is a fantastic thing and it's very magical. So in my shows, I don't preach about animal welfare or anything, but there are sneaky messages in there in some cheeky jokes. So uh, the animals that I have are all rescue animals. And I do currently have a disabled stick insect in my show. So she's only got three and a half legs. So we, uh, yeah, we have some uh, little nice messages throughout humour in there. I had it. Um, I, I, I take animals out to schools and things, and I've never had any sort of prey predator incidents apart from one. I had a stick insect on display in a vase full of gum leaves, and a bearded dragon launched across the table and bit one of his legs off. But it grew back. What? Um, yeah, they exhibit autotomy apparently, and it grew back, but never quite as big. But it may have been not a fully mature stick insect, so maybe as particular stages of their life they can grow back limbs. But yeah. That would be disappointing if you're explaining your three-legged three-and-a-half-legged yeah. stick insect and then you get it out and it's <laughs> and it's growing one back yeah yeah, yeah well like... we just get the local bearded dragon to sort that out yeah. we? <laughs> um so you work with rescued animals i believe you've got a dog i do i do i have a dog who's turned into the star of the show um in fact i can't not bring him on stage now i get heckled uh people who know my work um recently i was at the sydney comedy club and i didn't have the dog heaven forbid i went and did a stand-up set by myself and the uh an audience member who'd seen me before shouted out where's the dog (laughs) and that basically is it now i have to um i have to take the dog everywhere i was at the rhino room last night doing a late night spot it was uh, myself carl wilson and tom gleason and i brought the dog on stage and i only managed to get through one and a half jokes and then basically all the audience wanted to do was pat the dog so I walked around the audience during my set for people to pat him and then uh, they wanted to see some tricks so we did some tricks and he got a massive round of applause and a big laugh and uh, I took that and I just left the stage that was it so yeah the dog is awesome he's a Thai rescue dog his name is Dug Dig which translates as fidget in Thai fidget that's awesome Dug Dig yeah <laughs> massive icebreaker dogs I love dogs I would love a pet dog I don't have one I have a hundred animals and a dog would be great dogs are awesome 
dogs are awesome especially after working with wild animals like you really do appreciate domesticated animals they're just they're just gorgeous like he just wants to please and all he wants to do is hang around with people and just basically in my shows he it's not like a circus type show he doesn't really do any tricks or anything like that uh, his job is just to walk around the audience and get pats so most stand-up shows uh, audience members don't want to sit in the front row they're worried that they're going to be heckled but in my shows people fight to get the front row because uh, that's the prime dog patting area so actually i must start charging more for those front seats thinking about it there's an idea there's an idea capitalize on that one so how did you become an animal trainer i have always loved animals which i'm sure is the same for you two guys always nope. hadn't fit no didn't like them no nah. mistakes still regretting that <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> it's too late now what, you've got a couple of hundred uh, yeah, reptiles in your house yeah yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah mm. that's gone far <laughs> that's yeah i i loved animals um and I went to agricultural college when I was a teenager and I did a diploma in animal management. And I kind of had a little affinity training animals. I had a rescue dog at the time that I was working with. And the college used to give me animals to um, condition to be used to being handled so students could, could handle them. And uh, one day I was late handing in a bit of a coursework assignment and I was waiting outside my lecture room and a lecturer approached me and my friends and he's like, does anyone want to train pigs for the BBC? And, <laughs> and I was like, you know, 16 year old me was like, yes. Yes, I've always wanted this to is yes now I know what I want to do in life and that was it I didn't know up until that moment but then I knew I was like yes I do want to train pigs for the BBC and none of my other friends did and I was like what why I thought I had to fight them off but yeah I went for an interview I was the youngest one <laughs> and I got the job and that was my first job was as the assistant trainer for a movie called The Legend of the Tamworth 2 and I had to train these pigs it was amazing full on we've come a long way with animals in movies haven't we we used to like kill them during movies oh we used to like trip up horses and stuff like yeah. in the cowboy movies to get like we never used to train them to fall on command we just used to have really yeah these days ropes would come up from the ground yeah tables and all that yeah when you, when you see the gunshots and it looks like the horses are being shot they're being tripped over and yeah they are by cables and a lot of them would break legs and die yeah no it's awful um and you know wires and dogs mouths to make them look like they're snarling and stuff it's things have come a long way in fact it's probably gone the other way now where it's more cgi and not real animals, um, which is why I got into comedy because I was put out of business. No, it was, <laughs> it was, I just couldn't, I just couldn't animate that well. Um, yeah, so it has, it's gone the other way now. So it's, it's more, less real animals and more, um, yeah, CGI uh, because I feel there's a movement, um, you know, animals in captivity, especially animals in the entertainment industry. People think it's sometimes a little bit monstrous, especially circus animals, where in fact a lot of the, well, all the circus animals I've worked with have probably been more better looked after than a lot of zoos that I've been to as well. Mm. Uh, just because uh, exercise so much more, uh, stimulation mentally, like just because they don't necessarily have the biggest exhibit, doesn't mean that they're not you know well looked after and yeah so I, I think people sometimes get on the bandwagon of animals in the end, entertainment industry is, is a negative thing but in fact it can be a positive thing as well providing it's done right so apart from the pigs what other animals have you trained uh so i ended up i mean pigs that was fantastic i've done a lot of rats 
So uh, rats that uh, look like wild rats in movies, like background running around sewers and stuff. You know, that, that was me. Uh, I was a rat lady. Uh, so I've done a lot of work with rats. Uh, I then moved into um, more exotics. So I was asked to go to Thailand um, and train keepers there at a crocodile farm, more humane ways of working with their animals. So I ended up uh, training mostly parrots there, and we had the largest parrot in South parrot show in Southeast Asia. Uh, I also, whilst I was there, had a couple of tigers, um, a sun bear, a few betongs, a wild boar. Went back to my pig roots, knew what I knew best. Um, and yeah, a lot of work with dogs as well. So I got sponsored to come to Australia as a dog trainer. And that was very interesting because you people have a lot of money to spend on dogs. Uh, the first dog I worked with was on Prozac because it had anxiety going to the dog park. Wow. I know. That was a real weird one coming from Thailand, seeing all the street dogs who were mentally completely fine. Like, yeah, they were mangy and, and thin, but mentally, you know, sound. But you've got these pedigree dogs over in this country who can't cope going to the dog park and they'd be medicated up. So that was, yeah, that was a weird one. So I've pretty much worked with everything. I now currently train uh, one of the largest crocodiles in New South Wales, um, Rocky, a saltwater crocodile. So he's about 4 and, uh, 4.2, 4.3 metres, 365 kilos, and I'm his primary trainer. So, yeah, I've kind of done a lot of things. Can you talk us through training a crocodile? We're going to do it with your freshies. Okay. We're going to... Okay. It's... We had to train Rocky to come up on land when he was called so we could put these gates up so people could go and clean his water because, you know, he would kill them otherwise no doubt um i wasn't allowed to physically go in with him so it was all protective contact training which meant i could stand behind a little mock rock wall but that's all i could do so what we first did is we had to condition rocky to coming up on land so i'd get a piece of chicken tie it on a rope and throw it over to the side of the water and kind of lure him over like pull it back it's a bit like fishing for a crocodile uh and i would give him the food as soon as he like put a foot on land and then once he clicked, and as you know, crocodiles are ridiculously smart. Once he clicked that, oh, coming up on land means food. You know, he had no problem coming up on land. I then conditioned uh, a whistle as a bridge. So every time I whistled, he knew what he did was correct. So uh, he would come up on land. I'd whistle, he'd get the food. And then the next stage was introducing the gates. And we had three hydraulic gates. So we raised the first one uh, closest to the water first. And we raised it like an inch off the ground for a second. When he didn't react, I blew the whistle, gave him the food, then I'd lower it. And it took about uh, nine months, but we now have him staying up on land very calmly for two hours. The next stage was getting uh, him used to people going in his territory, in his water and splashing around. And as you know, male saltwater crocodiles are incredibly territorial. So I had uh, my favorite and least favorite staff members uh, go in <laughs> there as well. So the favorites were on land, the least favorites went in the water. And again, when he didn't react, they'd, they'd splash on cue when I would tell them when he didn't react, again, whistle food. And he's pretty awesome now. What's interesting is that he knows when it's happening because there's a few signals like I turn his waterfall off and he will come charging up onto land. Uh, often we do his training sessions in the morning, so he'll wait for me as well. So I try and mix up the time so he doesn't always predict what he's doing. But what's even weirder is that he, he recognizes me. And I could be anywhere around that exhibit. And he knows me as the lady with the food and he will uh, happily follow me around. But he would kill me if he had the chance. 
there's definitely not a, a loving rapport there. He, he knows me as the woman with the food and he'll listen to me. And what's great is I can verbally correct him when he does something wrong, like when he goes to walk. Uh, he'll stop when I correct him. But he would definitely kill me if I did something silly, like put my arm over that safety wall. Wow. Mm. It's quite amazing to think you can train an animal like that. Yeah, um, so I was told by his previous keepers that it couldn't be done. And he'd been in there for a year. And, and yeah, I was told it couldn't be done. And then I just, you know, I'm very competitive. And I just mm. went, yes, <laughs> it can be done. And it had to be done for his welfare. There was no ifs or buts. It just had to be done. His water needed to be cleaned. Mm. And he, he, he really enjoyed it as well. It was a real good mental stimulation for him. Yeah, yeah I've not, I've always slightly involved in Raja at London Zoo which is Komodo Dragon um, Ian Stevens, who was his keeper at the time he trained in clicker trained um, and, and a white focus ball awesome trained Raja the big yeah big Komodo so I've seen it with that and there was a keeper there that trained a couple of like smaller crocodiles clicker trained them as well so they came to land touched uh, a vocal point and then she'd click and feed them awesome it's, it's training nice. is so important especially for predators and especially for animals like i physically can't go in and move rocky i can't put them on the leash and move them out the area so it's just such a, a great thing for for husbandry um a lot of people think training is normally just tricks i don't think they realize that a lot of training especially in zoos is all husbandry related as well so before rocky i had a, a spotted tail quoll and we pouch trained her uh, and what we did is we trained her to uh, put her two little front legs on a clipboard and rest there whilst the vet went under the clipboard and looked in the pouch. And it was brilliant because before that, they just used to tail her. And it was like far less stressful and far less dangerous for everyone. Mm. And, and less likely that she's going to throw any babies she might have too. Precisely. Well, if she did have babies, it would have been a miracle because there wasn't a male in there. If she threw those babies, that would have been... <laughs> <laughs> Proof of parthenogenesis. Yeah. yeah, yeah, definitely. <laughs> Wow, that's great. So you've got this show. Yes. Yeah. Yes, I have this. Yeah, the crocodile isn't in that one. <laughs> okay. Oh. Sorry, guys. It's the plan to get the crocodile in the show at some point. I've had a few people ask me. Uh, he's Riding a, little, a bike or something? Oh, look, I'm seeing him on roller skates, to be honest, oh, yeah. on each foot doing that. No, no croc in this show. It's a great combination of things. You've got you've got animals and you've got comedy. Mm. So that people, people, I mean, I've seen you on TV and I saw you had a, um, a fish. Yes. That they could swim through a hoop. Yes, yes. It was amazing. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> that basically, um, I was contacted. Oh, it's a really weird way. So a friend of mine's a vet up in Darwin. She messaged me and she said, Emma, can you train fish? And I thought she meant like a general, like, can people train fish? And I was like, yeah, fish can be trained. She was like, no, no, can you train fish? And I was like, yeah, I suppose I can. And she was like, great. I've got this uh, person in Sydney who's looking for a fish trainer. I was like, all right. And I thought maybe it's like for a TV commercial or something like that. Anyway, it turns out it was um, Studio 10 wanted to do a segment on how to train your goldfish. So they put out this big, you know, search for a fish trainer throughout all these vets. And um, it went from Darwin back to me and, and I was on the show. I had three weeks to buy goldfish and train it. So I went with them, one of the more simpler tricks, which is swimming for a hoop. Uh, but before that, I had to target train this fish as well. It was just a pet shop fish. Uh, but also, I had to condition the fish to get used to traveling around. So I took the goldfish to open mic nights. <laughs> 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 
so we started off with like local little open mic nights so he get used to traveling in his fish bag i had to take like a huge um like a case of his tank water he had a little like uh show tank because his tank we lived in was huge and yeah just to get him used to lights and movement and you know being caught up and moving around and stuff again and he was a pro when it came to to the actual day he was amazing because there always is that fear on live tv where they go expert animal trainer and then the fish doesn't do it but he was amazing he did it um if somebody's listening and they've got a pet that they would like to maybe train or maybe the pet animal's doing something it shouldn't be is there any basic tips you can share patience be patient especially of training you'll always go one step forward two steps back so don't be put off when something's going well and then suddenly it digresses back again uh, that's just all part of the process i think people expect it to happen overnight and to be magical uh that's not the case do your research ask around and listen to your gut normally your gut is the right thing to listen to if you're thinking all right i need to end this training session now or do this or do that do it providing it's humane um but yeah i think patience is the key and do your research sorry to go back a step but dogs on prozac is that is that really a thing (laughs) it is it is apparently a thing dogs on prozac i have a friend with a whippet who's on prozac as well uh it's uh, yeah it's uh, it's really weird i as a trainer couldn't understand it when my friend with this whippet was like we we have to put this dog on prozac i couldn't couldn't grasp my head around it because as a trainer I was like well surely we can fix this problem with some some positive training but actually the dog generally had psychological issues a chemical imbalance and that's just for really pure um really bad breeding as well it just generally was nutty and and needed this medication to um to just be able to cope with day-to-day things and then you could do the training on top of that you couldn't even train this dog it was it was that erratic and emotionally unstable that it needed the medication to be able to then do the training and now they're slowly weaning it off it's prozac but uh when they're weaning it off they know they're going to be in trouble for a few days while it gets used to you know rebalances the chemicals so it's quite funny they're like oh we can't come out this weekend you know jessica needs her prozac dropped <laughs> um so it's it's a thing i've got a f- i think a lot of shelters put their dogs on medication to calm them down as well now uh i know it's it's a whole new i, I i'm more leaning towards the okay i can see why it happens but i think we need to look at the bigger picture like why do we have to medicate these dogs what are we doing and i have noticed in australia breeding dogs has kind of turned there's a lot of these you call them designer dogs they're like mongrels but they're yeah. thousands of dollars seem to be worth a lot of money in australia so don't they? Much. whereas in england dogs like that are free oh you couldn't give them away no. you couldn't <laughs> give them away really you just no you just mm. drown them in a river you couldn't couldn't, <laughs> couldn't. <laughs> I've actually let people know in the UK now, I'm like, and I've got that before you sack it, send it over, just because <laughs> we'll make a profit. Um, yeah, they're worth so much here, and they're mongrels, but they're badly bred mongrels, like they're purposely bred to be like that. So I've, a lot of the dogs I, I used to work with had like um, little bowed legs and and just bad skin conditions, and it was just really bad breeding um just to churn out these numbers like you guys still have puppies in pet shops which i find 
outstanding that that's still I saw a dog sell for twenty five thousand dollars yesterday what was it it was a sheep dog it was a, a kelpie for um it was a working dog okay so it had a purpose it, had a purpose. it, it did something yeah God, didn't I, just look pretty that must yeah. be able to herd sheep well like for twenty five thousand dollars i'd want to be sitting at home drinking a glass of wine knowing that that dog is going out herding those sheep all by itself and yep. then shearing them afterwards doing my tax account something <laughs> like that i think yeah a, a yeah. friend of mine brought uh, a termite dog Oh, I thought you meant just a termite. <laughs> well, he bought oh, a termite and trained it. No, he bought a, a termite, a trained dog to to locate termites yeah. in houses. And I think that was about $50,000 altogether, yeah. including training. That's the training that goes, oh, mm. I really should do stuff like that. Truffle dogs, that's a really good one. Mm. Training yeah. dogs to hunt truffles, Whoa. yeah. Pigs, you already... Yeah, I promise pigs the pigs eat truffles. the truffles. Oh, that's, the, that's why they stopped using pigs, because the pigs would then like dig up and eat the truffles, which wasn't quite the idea um. of it. But dogs will, will leave it, um, which is good. But yeah, I should have got into that. I made some silly career choices. Like, mm. who wants a trained crocodile? not really in the market for it but oh, no, yeah there is is there definitely i'll have a train steve would have a train yeah. crocodile yeah i do threaten people with this crocodile yeah. uh, i do tell them that i do have access to a train crocodile um that probably explains why i am single as well <laughs> <laughs> um what other types of animals can people see at your shows <laughs> So in, if you can't train it, eat it. I have um, a uh, dog dig for dog and a stick insect who steals the show. You might have seen her. She was on the Studio 10 Goldfish segment as well. She, yeah, she's just a nightmare to work with, but everyone loves her. Um, <laughs> the Goldfish makes an appearance in the sequel to If You Can't Train It, Eat It, which is sticking with it. So you'll get all three animals there. And in the kids show, it's like a petting zoo. There are so many. Bearded dragon, dog, little day old chicks little chickens mealworms everything um, yeah quite the food chain is it, we're just well that's what we do they all sustain each other uh which keeps you know costs low which is amazing yeah. um <laughs> they don't that was that was that was six cents of humor it's very let me just get that they don't it's, no they, they probably no, they don't do. they don't always. they don't we don't feed the animals to each other <laughs> it's all good i must put that i keep forgetting with the british accent some people think i'm being serious when i'm actually being sarcastic i must disclose that no definitely all about the animal welfare do not protest in front of emma's shows oh jesus i'm still I'm, waiting for people to come and do that uh, i'm not going to bother going now then oh. no did you yeah, yeah disappointing out. isn't it i've had a few farmers and butchers come to the show <laughs> yeah which, which which was cool because they liked the sound of a title of it <laughs> <laughs> we use um bearded dragons in shows and we sometimes throw a mealworm on the ground um but i'll introduce the mealworm and okay, this i'll give him a name this is this is rodney um he's a he's a, a larvae from a beetle and we'll talk about rodney and then we'll introduce the next animal which is the bearded dragon which will then eat rodney and sometimes the kids get a bit horrified but then i've got a little tub of more rodneys so i go look it's okay he's fine it's nothing to worry about and then he starts eating, and the kids are like he's doing it again and, he eats, and um yeah oh you're really messing with you, their minds a little you? bit i think so Rodney I, keeps coming back and keeps dying. What's yeah. that um, like Groundhog Day type of thing? Just yeah. round and round again. Oh, Rodney, what a sick life. What a sick life. Um, it's a real art that you've got to make people laugh. And I'm fascinated by comedians. I think people think it's a really easy thing to do. Like, oh, that'd be the easiest job. You walk in, you get to make people laugh. How exciting. And you go. It's, there's a lot more to it, isn't there? 
so much more I keep explaining to people it's like um, learning to play a musical instrument you don't just pick up a violin and play it beautifully it takes months and years of practice and practice and practice to get better and better and the thing is these guys that you see on TV or the Netflix specials they've been doing it on average like 14 plus years these are seasoned professionals so it takes a long time to get to that level there's a lot of work involved Um, I record pretty much all my shows I listen back I see what works and it's even things like inflection of the tone a pause a a body gesture it's it's a lot more than just getting up and telling jokes and also all the audiences can be different as well so you have to cater to your audience members um, each night as well and I do a lot of audience interaction I chat to the people and sometimes people don't want to chat so then I have to you know kind of work out what to do in that situation and how to deal with that and sometimes people don't shut up and you know they just chat away to me like it's a conversation not a show um so i have to learn how to deal with that as well (laughs) shut up for a minute i need to get on with my show literally you have to i have to sometimes people go shh it's interesting how you say different groups are different like do do you notice um when you work with the kids and and working with adults some things that make kids laugh are very different to what make an adult yeah. laugh. So the kids show, um, Fee Five Fo Fun, is like a family show. So I've catered. I've got jokes in there that adults will get, and I've got humour in there that children will get as well. So it's kind of you. Obviously, you don't want to be bored as an adult having to sit in to uh, to a kids show. You want to be entertained as well, and you know more people buy tickets that way. So um, yeah, I've catered for both adults, but definitely different sense of humour. I mean, you must remember watching movies with your parents and them laughing at something and you not getting it. But as an adult, now almost rewatch those movies now. Yeah, and get and get and get the adult sense of humour definitely. And and Captain Pugwash was it one of the? Oh my goodness! Program. Can we even say those names on this podcast? I was brought up with uh, Seaman Stains and Master Bates <laughs> and Master Bates. Yeah, that, 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 what, and we didn't think twice of it. It was a kids program in England, daytime TV kids program, yeah. peak time. It wasn't hidden, and it was Master Bates and yeah. Seaman Stains. And it was Captain Pug, and that was the kids' program. That was amazing. Yeah, yeah. I, I look back at Popeye, and I see him put green stuff into a pipe, and then get all you know muscly. Muscly. I wonder, is that a yeah. Yeah. reference? Yeah, yeah, you don't notice that oh, at all as a kid, be. do you? I'm sure it would have been, but so I'm just, I'm just thinking back now. I was like, how can I bring in that type of thing into Fee Fi Fo Fun? Can I get away with it? I don't know. Think about you it. Can. I can name the animal something like that. Mm. My dog is called Dug Dick, for Christ's sake. Yes. You know, it's, I didn't name <laughs> what it. What does that came. mean? Mm. <laughs> I didn't name my dog that, by the way. He you came didn't? With, no, he came with that name. Okay. Yeah, I would have. I mispronounced it for the first year of his life. Now, um, did I read somewhere that you spent $10,000 yes. bringing your dog back to Australia? Yes, yes. That's insane. It cost me, I think it cost us about four or 5000 to bring ours from England. yeah. Uh, the reason why mine was so expensive is because he came from Thailand and he mm. wasn't allowed in Australia. So he had to spend six months in a rabies-free country. So Doug did got to holiday in Singapore for six months. Uh, that was the only rabies-free country in Asia. Wow. Yeah, it was a lot of money. Um, I wasn't rich, so I wasn't like, ah, it's nothing. It was uh, just asking friends and family to loan some of the money and me just basically working really hard and eating pot noodles. But he was a year old at the time. And I couldn't leave him. It would have been a really bad fate. Um, I was never after a dog when I was in Thailand. It wasn't like, oh, this would be a great idea. You know, it was, he happened to come into my life. And if I left him, it wouldn't have been a good outcome for him. So does he have a slate now? So he's earning back his money? Is that why you take him on shows? Well, I said, I claim as a tax deduction. Cool. That's that's what I do now. I truly do. It's amazing. Um, what 
I said to him, the deal was, uh, I thought, $10,000, I'm happy to spend $1,000 a year on you. And so I said to him, Dougie, you cannot get sick for 10 years. Like, I'm not <laughs> taking you to the vet for 10 years. And he's nine years old now. So he's got a year left and then we'll make some other new deals. Um, but he's got a little kind of cyst on his eye and the vet was like, oh, we could have that removed. I was like, talk to me in a year's yeah, time. Next year. Not now. <laughs> <laughs> I think that's fair. Very so fair. I think it's very fair yeah, too. Absolutely. And it was only for cosmetic reasons. She was like, oh, because he's in showbiz. I was like, oh, I want some Botox first before the dog gets cosmetic <laughs> stuff. Do you know what I mean? Like, sweat out me first. But yeah, anyway. One more year, he's got to go. That's where we're meant to say, you don't need things. You know? <laughs> oh, it's, it's, I knew you meant, your eyes told mm. me that mm. when you yeah. looked away. Yeah. With um, people, people having dogs, and a lot of people have to work and they can't be at home with their dogs and a dog's a pack animal. Um, what are your thoughts on that? You hear, you hear of a lot of people with their neighbours and their dog doesn't shut up and it barks. And Are there things people can do? Yeah, you can just get your dog used to being on its own from day one. Um, and also when you leave it don't make such a big deal out of it I think the worst thing that you can do is pat them and kiss them and say I love you so much I'll be back soon because the dog doesn't understand that it's just getting lots of pats of affection and then you leave the house and it's very confused Uh, just conditioning it bit by bit so leave it for five minutes then 10 minutes and then increase it like that Uh, and they're fine they all my dogs have had to be used to being left on their own for at least eight hours a day and providing you know you walk them they have fresh water um and they're conditioned to being left. Uh, Dugdig, I've conditioned him to when I say be good, he knows I'm leaving, but he knows I'm coming back. Uh, with my previous dog, had really bad separation anxiety. I used the phrase going shopping. And basically how we train that is uh, we would leave him. I would say go and shopping. I'd walk out the door for two seconds. When he didn't react, I'd come back in. And so he learned that going shopping meant I'm leaving, but I'm coming back. So even something like that's a good little tip. So these yappy dogs, when <gasps> the people are home, that's normally just people haven't conditioned their dogs and the dog's fretting. Yeah, just panicking. And also, small little dogs were normally bred to be alert and to a lot of the little dogs were bred to alert the big guard dogs as well. So a lot of them are just doing their job. I think people really need, really need to think about what breed they get uh, because everything pretty much has a purpose. And for example, if you live in a city, maybe a Kelpie isn't the best thing for you. I would probably highly say, unless you're planning on doing a lot of uh, sledging, a Husky <laughs> wouldn't do it. Don't understand a lot of them around in Sydney. I'm very, very confused what's happening. Um, beagles, unless you're going out hunting, why would you have one? They, you let them off a leash, they follow their nose. So really think about what you're going to get as well. I always think it's um, South Australia. And if you go down the beach, when people are walking their dogs, you always see these people with big, black, fluffy dogs. You think, wow, why why would you get one of those in Australia as well? Fashion statements. Mm. It's ridiculous. (laughs) You get a lot of maintenance too, I guess, too. Mm. Shaving that dog. Yeah, keeping it shaved. An alligator would be a good animal for South Australia. I agree. Mm, They like the cold. Yeah. Yeah, don't mind the heat. Or a trained crocodile. Train an alligator. I don't want to show off, but I reckon I could do that. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> They're meant to be much nicer temperament to alligators. Yeah, I used to know some crocodile alligator keepers. Um, and if you said, what would you, what do you most enjoy keeping? Um, expecting them to say alligators because they're, they're pretty good. They say um, like Nile or saltwater crocodiles. Yeah. Because you know every time they're going to kill you. Whereas everything else, not always, yeah. just sometimes. That's true. With Rocky, it is one of the most reliable relationships that I have where I will know that he would kill me every time. Mm. There's no doubt about it. Because you're trying to train him. 
because I'm wow <laughs> yeah that's it he enjoys it he just wants to kill me at the same time um does does anything ever go wrong are you allowed to talk about that if on stage yeah I do that's really? what I talk about oh god yeah no it's uh, <laughs> oh look in my shows nothing goes wrong with the animals like they are solid and what I love about all my animals that I work with is I can leave them to it and they'll get on with it like I don't need to worry about them at all um but the show is based on stories of animal training things that go wrong definitely oh it's not all me just showing off going aren't i amazing in fact i'm pretty sure by the end of my show people probably assume i can't train animals because of all the stories that i tell and also uh, the dog plays the character of a dog that doesn't do what i say even though he's very well trained um so i'm pretty sure people walk away going yeah she can't train can she um so yeah it's all about the things that go wrong do you have a favorite animal i think you've got to go back to my pigs haven't i really it's where it all started it's got uh, Aussie native animals. My favourites are dunna, a fat-tailed dunna. Yay. Oh, I love a fat-tailed dunna. Best things ever. They're awesome. And for those that don't know, small carnivorous marsupial, mouse size, related to Tassie devils, <gasps> so much. I mean, they don't live very long, but they make the most out of their life, don't they? They are just the best. I have one to my heart. Sweet, sweet tucker. Oh, they're just best. Love them. And they're tiny. I call them pocket predators because that's what they are. They are predators, but they fit in your pocket. It's amazing. <laughs> Not that I can do in carrying dunnarts in pockets. Donuts are great. No, that's right. Um, and, and when they bite you, they don't really hurt. Like, not like a mouse that can gnaw through wood and take a chunk out of your finger. They've just got their little little sharp teeth and they don't really hurt you, which I think is good. They're safe. They're safe, Donuts. Not convinced. Not convinced. <laughs> I don't really hurt. I don't know. I've never been bitten by one. They've always scared me a little bit because I have seen their teeth. They do look quite... But if you, I'll take your word for it. Yeah, they don't have the power. Because I've, I've got ones that aren't, like tame like yours and um yeah they try to bite and they don't hurt which is oh. they can't even draw blood oh really yep yeah. yeah. oh i love them even more now yeah not like a mouse like a same size animal but they can take mm. a little piece out of you like a pair of pliers yeah. ripping at you um i love dunnarts mm-hmm. yeah we used to have them here in Adelaide Hills once upon a time we had the fat tail dunner oh, and beautiful. we have common dunnarts but they're extinct no longer yeah oh, that's sad it's a bit sad. What got them? Cats? What uh, happened? Or just all, us? Yeah, all the same things. Cats, foxes, mm. loss of habitat, um, introduced uh, mice and rats as oh. well. God, we're terrible, us. aren't we? Yeah, ultimately us. Yeah. yeah. <sighs> but we're learning there's good people. Yeah, yeah, there's good There's good people. There is good people. There's seven of them, I think. They've listed yeah. seven good people. They're trying hard. Wouldn't, yeah. Solid effort. There wouldn't be that many. You don't think there would seven. be? Seven. No. Not at the same time, but no. like throughout <laughs> eternity. <laughs> yeah, maybe. So um, do you have a bit of a conservation message in your show too, just like a subtle... Yeah, I do. I think, I think the message I always try and put across is, number one is about rescuing animals. Uh, I think I definitely put that one across and teach, you know, older animals as well, like the dog's nine years old now. Uh, Conservation-wise, I think I do talk about... um, I do mention in this particular show native Australian animals. I do a few fun facts that I've learned about Aussie native animals. But I do talk about how we... You know, like what we just mentioned now, how we're destroying things. But obviously in more of a light-hearted fashion. Think of a comedy show. You don't want to be like... And there's only two left in the wild. You know, we don't... Because that really brings a downer about it. So as I said, I'm not preachy at all. It's little subtle messages. And it's it's just more about having fun and just to, to, you know, a little little something to go away with and just think about. But definitely there's no preaching happening in the show. I want it to be fun and uplifting. What types of people come to your show? 
all types um which is amazing so um for the uh if you can't train it and sticking with it i generally say probably like some 13 year old plus depending on the venue i'm happy for children to come along there is a few little bit of swear words that happen but most parents don't care they, their response is ah they hear it all the time <laughs> um which is like okay um but all depends on the venue but yeah basically from young teenagers so recent show that i did we had a 15 year old and an 86 year old uh, they weren't the only two audience members. We had others in between as well. <laughs> but it varies. Uh, people generally who have a love of animals come along, and that's why there's such a broad age uh, difference. Uh, and also in Adelaide, I have noticed I get a lot of middle-aged, middle-to-upper-class ladies uh, drag their husbands along in big groups with friends, and they love a wine, those ladies. Oof, do they ever so it's i have quite a classy audience i feel as well but i'm open to anyone if you buy a ticket just come on over <laughs> well everyone loves to laugh and everyone loves animals so it's a great combination of yeah things. yeah i've really nailed it on the head and the animals was an accident when i started comedy i never brought animals on stage with me it took me a couple of years and it started with a dog when i was emceeing a gig and that was just because uh, a few comedian friends were like you need to do it this is your thing but then I also had a few comedians saying, don't do it. You know, people will see it as a gimmick and you'll lose, you know, people will lose respect for you. And I was like, well, I don't think anyone respects me now. So what have I got to lose? Uh, and I brought the dog along. and It was a great hit. And then I did my first solo show, which was meant to be just with the dog. And then I had too many wines. And I was like, do you know what comedy is missing? Stick and sex. <laughs> so, and that's when the stick and sex came along. And she's a superstar. We all thought it. We all, and I heard your cries, and I did it. So welcome. There you go. <laughs> what type of stick insect is she? She's a Goliath stick insect. Nice. Yeah, amazing. She has her own merch as well. Which, really? Yeah, yeah. She has her own. It's um, her and the dog and the goldfish. They all have their own merch. It's stubby holders with their face on it. Yeah, it's they very. They get all the proceeds from, from that. Uh, Yes. Yes, I do. That's a, let's go with that one. Yes, they do. No, of course they do. Dog gets, actually, I think after uh, one show that I did, all the money that went from the merch, I had to buy a new dog bed. And it was like a, I, I splashed out and got him a memory foam mattress bed. So, uh, yeah, no, he's doing well. Ask me where my memory foam mattress is. Nowhere. Brilliant. How did you come to have a three-and-a-half-legged stick insect? She shed really badly. Um, so she was absolutely fine. And then she did two molts in like two days. And in the it's really weird. I don't know if it's something to do with the weather or something confused her. And she lost, um, t yeah, a couple of legs. And then on the trip to Adelaide, I was looking at her and half of a leg was hanging off her as well. Like, and her wings are all messed up. Like they kind of fold under her. I honestly thought she wasn't going to make the trip. She looked so wrong, <laughs> messed up. Um, and I was hand feeding her and stuff. I was like, oh my God, this poor little creature. But she's great. She moves around. She's, she survived. I, I took her to, um, I have a few goliath stick insects i rotate them so they all get breaks um and i took her to to uh my wednesday show and she was amazing she's just, yeah i'm very impressed she's i think she's gonna live a full long life what does the future hold what, what what sort of uh direction do you think you want to take all this uh it's it's uh, the thing about comedy and i i must i don't think i've mentioned this i never set out to be a comedian I, was, I wasn't like, do you know what I really want to do with my life? I want to be a comedian. Um, it was a dare to go to an open mic night. And that was five years ago. And it's gone way too far now, the dare. 
um, so I can't turn back. Wow, you just went and just got up. And yes. Wow. So I was at the Sydney Mardi Gras and I was making a bunch of strangers laugh and a friend of mine said, you need to... Oh, no, no, sorry, no. Um, the strangers were like, are you a comedian? And I was like, no, I'm an animal trainer. You know, look at my latest work. You know, I'm showing them all the pigs and stuff. And... <laughs> And my friend was like, no, 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 you should, you should go and do it. You know, I dare you guys, I'll, I'll, you know, do it. And so we booked into an open mic night and I did it. And I got um, noticed by a few other comedians who took me under their wings. And it kind of started out as a really fun hobby because I obviously work with animals, as you're aware. Sometimes it can be a little isolating. And um, it just, yeah, took off. And, and now I've, I've got these solo shows and I'm doing a tour of the country. And uh, what's amazing as people assume because you do comedy you can do anything so I've been in like tv commercials and and had like papers feature me and and things and it's it's just ridiculous and now I've started a web series called comedians patting animals which is taking off and doing really well which is basically where I suppose like this but it's not a podcast it's filmed and we have a chat but uh, we're holding animals whilst we're having a chat. Now, we've only done two episodes, but I seem to have managed to pick the animals which my guests fear. <laughs> uh, so the first one was a beautiful black, and they're all Aussie native animals as well that we work with. And we film it at Wildlife Sydney Zoo in um, Darling Harbour. So they're all native Australian. And the first episode was a black-headed python. Now, I'm not great with snakes. I am a little bit scared of snakes, but I had to put on my big girl panties and pretend I was the snake expert. But my poor guest was terrified of snakes, but it was hilarious. And then the next one we did with a load of stick insects, um, but we've got some like joey kangaroos we're going to use. And that's taking off now. And they're looking at... Um, sponsoring and, and getting that out and we're actually changing the name now to celebrities padding animals so there's more people that can come and do it so i think the direction where to answer your question is it's going to combine it's still combining animals and comedy but maybe moving more towards the media and and shows uh, rather than uh, on stage but again i don't think i'll ever stop doing with live performances because i love it but i also feel that there's a lot of male dominated uh, media wildlife personalities a lot of it can be very serious as well so I think we are well overdue a time for a, for a woman and to have a bit of humor and to bring that all together so I think that's the direction that we're going to be going that's great yeah I love think that'll be it. massively popular with the yep. humor I think it needs yeah. the humor in that yeah sure. because my I mean I also I I have friends and family members who aren't that into animals and so they don't really watch you know maybe like the some documentaries and, and shows uh, because they're not that into it but if there's humor involved I know that sparks their interest and it's just proven with my live stand-up shows we don't always get people who are into animals but they get into it because there's, there's humor involved in it I love I love that I've said that for ages haven't I Steve we, we the, the humor like because conservation always I've said it before it's just such it's a, so it can be serious. so serious yeah. and depressing and, and 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 it's so important that it needs to be spoken about so it's great to have a whole new take on it so fantastic I yeah. wish you all the best with that oh thank you very yes. much how do you find the time to do all these things so I, I'm part time at the zoo now where I work at because I had to go part time because things were getting busy but what I found now since I went part time I'm working more so basically I just don't get a day off yeah. And, but it's worth it and I enjoy it and uh, it can be tiring and, and stressful because comedy does involve a lot of energy so when I do like my hour solo performances it is tiring at the end because you give so much in that hour but I love it and I feel like it's worth it like I've got an end goal and I'm just going to keep going for it and hopefully get there awesome 
I saw um, David Strassman, the guy with the teddy bear puppets, and he does a whole big stage awesome. show with puppets. And, and it, it was funny, great show, very entertaining, so much energy. And I was exhausted watching it. Mm. And then he, and then as we were walking out, it, people, the people were waiting to come in for his second show. I'm like, you're kidding me, right? Is he mm. on coke? A lot of them are. Yeah. I don't know if he is. No, I, on a serious <laughs> note, I'm, I'm, I know, but you... I am not, I can vouch for this, mum, if you're listening, I'm not on drugs. Um, but a lot of them, not, I shouldn't say a lot of them, it's not uncommon. Yeah, just most of them. It's not uncommon um, because, yeah, and you're performing. And why, well, I mean, like I said, I've done, you know, back to back shows and then doing late night spots. And then it's, there's a lot of it. Um, I've discovered Powerade. That, that drink you know not to mm. want to sponsor them but that is um, that's a beautiful thing because yeah. <laughs> I don't drink coffee so it's that's, that's my kind of thing um, okay I, I've got a joke that yes. I made up oh, um, no. Adrian don't do it don't oh, God. don't do it no, no I, I want to do it uh-huh. I want to I hear this well because um, I mean I'm not naturally funny <laughs> I think I am okay. but you are so you, can, you might be able to make it funny we had a sea snake expert on the other day and I wrote this joke and I forgot to say it on the episode so I'm going to say it now um, she was talking about season. And she, she laughed after. She did. She, she didn't. Yeah, it did was she? it was pity, but she. It was did. a pity, yeah. sympathy laugh. Yeah. yeah. So don't laugh if it's not funny. Um, I deserve to know. What's the opposite of a sea snake? I don't know. A blind snake. Okay. Mm. Yeah. So. Anyway, so that was a great episode. Uh, Thanks, right. guys. <laughs> um, <laughs> that was great. Yeah, awesome. <laughs> that was awesome. You can use that if you want. Yeah. Ah. Oh, <laughs> Thank you for your generosity. No, that was I, that was that was what we'd call a dad joke. Yes, that was that was great. You know, this is the thing: you set yourself up for failure. First of all, you told me you said I have a joke. <laughs> okay. Never say that because and al- then he did the joke. because already everyone's like, oh, what's this going to be? Like our expectations are quite high. So when I test new material in front of friends, I never go, hey guys, I've got this new bit. I just slip it into conversation and see if they. So all you need to do is somehow we needed to talk about sea snakes, and you needed to just wrangle that one in, and we would have laughed. That's a hot. To so start again, have you ever trained sea snakes? Ah, actually, let's do that again. Let's ask me again. Have you ever trained a sea snake? Do you know what I haven't? That's one animal I haven't trained. Mm. Yeah. What about a blind snake? What? Uh- <laughs> <laughs> well, no, it wasn't any better, was it? No, no, no. We'll work on it. We'll work on it. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, <laughs> when you, when you got new material, do you find like it takes a while to get it funnier? Like you're testing out new material. You- What's interesting when I first try a joke on stage. Um, normally, I've got it like half of it in my mind, and then I pray that adrenaline will kick in and something funny will come out. Um, it's amazing what adrenaline does. I'm not good at sitting down and writing jokes. I get a lot of my material, so a lot of it's animal facts. I mean, that's incredible, the stuff that your Australian wildlife has. Um, but, yeah, I tend to get it from friends and just funny things that happen. Like, you know, obviously that sea snake gag, now I will have to use. Uh, it's all yours. Thank you. So- <laughs> <laughs> oh, wait, no, no, trust me, keep that one. Thank you very much. <laughs> it's very sweet of you, but you, you have that one back. You've got to start somewhere. But it's just trial and error. It's just trial. It's just trial and error and developing. So I'm doing jokes that I did when I first started, like four or five years ago. But I've just developed them still. And again, you know, delivering them in different ways. And it's just I'm I'm learning. They say it's a seven year comedy is a seven year apprenticeship. So I'm I'm barely touching the surface of it. Um, but I'm really good already. So, you know. <laughs> when, you're, when you're a natural, yeah. some people are born with it. Well, um, my, my second favourite comedian. Sorry, Adrian. Behind you, 
Thank you. Is Ricky Gervais. I love Ricky Gervais. So he's and one his that... his show, Animals. Yeah, I want to get... He's a big animal advocate, and I'm, I'm pretty sure when he comes to Australia, I'll be able to get him on celebrities patting animals. So I think that's his cup of tea Can right there. Can you drop us in that conversation as well? Oh, 100%. One hundred percent. We get that. Get that happening. Get it all connected. Yeah, I, I love that. I love yeah what he does. It's brilliant. And it's very British. His humour is very uh, sarcastic. Mm. And um, yeah, it's awesome. Uh, I love him because on his social media too, he's an advocate for um, looking after the planet, care, caring yeah. for animals and animal rights. Oh, and those. Oh, I'm oh, sorry. This is the thing. This podcast. That <laughs> was that. Okay. <laughs> Let me just explain what happened right there. Um, because for the moment, that was quite disturbing. So you. Kind I'm of glad lent, you knew what I was doing. Yeah, you lent, yeah, whew, but you made eye contact with me whilst you did it. Uh, you you lent back and gave yourself like a triple chin, like Ricky Gervais does in all his selfies. Yeah. Lucky but, for you, I wasn't in the bath. But yeah, well, that would we had some complaints and that one there. But yeah, but you looked at me in the eye when you did that. That was fine. I knew what you were doing. It just took me back for a second. That's an image I won't get out now, is it? Yeah, oh go. my goodness! Yeah, take that one with you. So I really thank you. I'd rather take the sea snake one, but thank you anyway. Can we swap? Yeah. <laughs> um, just want to give you an opportunity to promote your shows that are coming up yes so I um, I'm finishing Adelaide up now but I will be going to Brisbane uh, Canberra and Melbourne um, and this is all in March so this is like for the um, Brisbane sit down comedy festival with my show if you can't train it eat it uh, Newcastle New South Wales for the uh, fringe festival there uh, with my show if you can't train it eat it um, Canberra for the Canberra Comedy Festival for my children's show Fee Fi Fo Fun Melbourne uh, International Comedy Festival for my show Sticking With It that's end of March beginning of April and then we're ending it with the Sydney Comedy Festival with uh, If You Can't Train It Eat It which will be in May but all my details are on my website which is emmamalik.com Awesome Emma it's been a joy to speak with you Thank you it's been fun I'm looking forward to patting all these animals now no, we've not got time now. Yeah, oh, that's right. <laughs> I'll just take my bearded dragon and go. <laughs> Stop telling us. Oh, uh, guys, Emma Malik, animal trainer and comedian. And Emma, thanks again. And uh, guys, thank, thank you, you for listening. Thank you.